Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. This week, we're talking about Leverage, Season 1, Episode 6, called The Miracle Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, so I have some thoughts about this episode. I some of you them might. Are, some of them are good. Yeah. Some of them are confused. And some yeah. of them are bad. <laughs> what would you like me to start with? Start wherever you'd like to start. I will follow along. I'm just here for the ride. Okay, let's start with... Let's start with a positive. Okay. Okay. Now, if you listen to our podcast, mm-hmm. which if you're hearing my voice right now, you clearly do, um, or you Interesting listened, choice on your behalf. Interesting choice, yes. Um, thank you, but interesting choice. Um, or you've listened to our Supernatural podcast, Dragon Pixar podcast, you will know that we are, in fact, Australian. We talk about it ad nauseum. <laughs> For that, I apologise. But it is relevant this week because Sophie has an Aussie accent. And you know what? It's not half bad. Right. It's actually pretty good. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's... I, I recognise that yep. as an Aussie accent. Mm-hmm. It's not over the top. It's no. not rude. Because a yeah. lot of the time people do Aussie accents and it's low-key insulting. Um... No, it was good. She sounded like Rebecca Gibney. Yep. I was like literally watching. I was like, oh my God, she sounds like the blonde lady from Neighbours. And then I Googled blonde lady from Neighbours. And I was like, everyone looks the same on Neighbours. And then I was like, maybe it wasn't Neighbours. And I was like, maybe it was packed to the rafters. It was Rebecca Gibney. Yeah. That's who she sounded like. Mm -hmm. I was suitably impressed. She had a week to learn that accent. crazy. A week. Yeah. It was I have seen actors who have had months and months and months and months and months of preparation time for big movies yeah. to learn an Australian accent and they've done a worse and, job than yeah. she did in a week. Some people just have a knack. Yeah. Like, that quite genuinely, it, I was impressed. It was it was pretty good and it, like, barely slipped. Like Also, it gives birth to the joke right at the end where the mark completely misses the point. Are you even, even British? British? I <laughs> literally could not... Fucking believe I wrote Are You Even British in all caps. And that's my very last note. It's literally, I can't. Like, she's done I this. Can't. Like, decently solid. Like, it's not flawless, but it's, it's, it's a solid I, Australian accent. I respect almost it. Almost the entire time. Every time. And, like, I find it really, really fun. Like, the switching she does between being, like, her Australian accent and, like, her normal, like, sort of default accent. Yeah. And, like, as soon as she's around the mark, she's, she's Australian. Yeah. And then... He's just, like, completely missed the point. It's just... Oh, it's fucking funny. But, yes, no. So, I really, like, kudos to... What, what's the actress's name? Gina Bellman. Gina Bellman. Yeah. Kudos to Gina Bellman. She quite genuinely, like, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. It's not... And it's also not... Like, no accent is easy. No. But it's not an easy accent because, like... Australians are really hard accent because... You have a whole bunch of accents that are sort of, like... I think of them as, like, base accents. Like, yeah, they're, 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 there's regional accents. Yeah. They're Certainly. very much like, you, you know, they're a completely separate accent. Their their mm. base is there. They are a solid accent by themselves. Yeah. Australians, like, what if I took this piece from that, this piece from that, yeah. let's take a little bit of this. Yeah. Because Australia, when we were founded, really took a whole bunch of just different Europe- European accents and, like, mashed them together. Yeah. And then you... Add in the drunkenness and the slur. And then you also take in, like, all the American TV that we consume. Yeah. Australian accents are 
real shit conglomeration show of, of yeah <laughs> exactly shit show is probably a better term but yeah and like, obviously you have different accents depending on where you're from similarly like I know that we say broadly like oh an American accent but like depending on like where in America you're from can be very different or even like smaller countries like even just like England yeah. depending on where you're from you have a very which different... I find kind of insane because like yes Australian accents are regional to an extent yeah but uh compared to like the US or something Mm. Our accent is consistent across country. Like, yes, it does vary Basically, a little based on your it's state. Like, it's but... kind of like we have the same accent and then it's just like a sliding scale of broken to posh. Yeah. And it's just like whereabouts you are on that yeah. scale sort of depends as to like the extent of like your accent or whatever. But it's still the same accent. It's Whereas, the same like, accent. Yeah. If you look at like America's a really good example. Y'all got your southern accents and you can go all the way down there. But then, like, oh, my God, you can go all the way to California and it's, like, a completely different <laughs> Oh, God. No, I just... You I know what I mean? So it's, like... Obviously, I think I would say that the accent she went with is definitely more of, like, a Sydney-Melbourne. Yeah. Um, but, like, if that makes sense. Works, because, like, a lot of, like, if you have, like, an Australian actor or actress, like, nine times out of ten, they'll be Sydney-Melbourne-based. Yeah. So, like, that makes sense. Like, Rebecca Gibney, for example. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Neighbours and Packs the Rafters are all, like, Victoria, New South Wales. Eastern states. It, yeah. Everything's in the fucking eastern states. So, yeah. yeah. But, no, I thought it was really good. I yeah. thought it was really good. Very um, solid. Yeah. Yeah. I am very glad that you appreciate her accent because it is one of... I love a whole bunch of stuff in this episode. It's not my favorite episode by any means. It's but not, not to like, not to spoil my overall rating at the end of the episode. But I feel like this one's kind of middle of the road. Yeah, like it's kind of like eh, it was alright. I probably yeah. wouldn't be hankering to rewatch it. No. Yeah. And it's certainly not one where if, if I'm just like, oh, I just want to watch like an episode of Leverage. It's like, not the I one have, you go to. It's not the one I go to. Like even in the first, like it's not the one I go to. I'm so excited with the ones that I go to. <laughs> are in the second half of the season and we're about to start hitting them and I'm very, very excited for us to start hitting the ones that I go to uh-huh. over and over and over again. But I do want to point out a couple of the little things that I really love in this episode. Okay, yeah, go for it. Hardison's yellow raincoat. Yes, he looks like Paddington. I love it. <laughs> I love His little hat his and little... the goggles. I love that. Actually, I, I wrote down a note about that when he says to um, Nate, like, you're lucky on this time, like this timeline. I didn't just give you a bicarb volcano yeah. or whatever it was. A baking yeah. soda volcano. Baking soda volcano. Yeah, fucking love that. Also, I do love that one of his like one of his sort of plans, one of his ideas that pops in his head is like, what if I just got a paintball gun? Yeah, and, like shot the statue. Like, yeah, that will work. Oh dear. Perfectly. Like everyone will be convinced. Actually, Hardison in this episode was a treat. Yes. Um, I love. The scene where he and Elliot are like talking to like the gang members or yeah. whatever, and uh, Elliot's like, "See that gun?" And Harrison's like, "Yeah, the situation has my attention." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, I love it. I think Hardison is probably my favorite character. Yeah, like as of like fair enough. I do like yeah. every member of the ensemble. Obviously, Nate excluded. Although he was less intolerable mm. this episode, I'll give him that. He was less intolerable. Yeah. Uh, I think Hardison is probably my fave. Yeah. He's just so fun. And this episode, he finds his niche. Yeah. <laughs> the injured guy. <laughs> injured, the injured people. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, it's funny. Oh, somebody's got to fight the injured, I think was the line, and that's, oh, iconic. Anyway, sorry, I completely interrupted you. Uh, 
no, so I do I do really love that. I love the um, Hardison, which we'll get back to that scene as well because we've sort of looked at that scene from a Hardison point of view. We do need to talk about from Elliot, Elliot yeah. in that scene, but we're moving on because that's not on my little list of shit sh- that I just love. <laughs> I love the moment where Parker's like, oh, yeah, we replaced his Xanax with fucking caffeine and speed. I... And Hardison's face is like, the fuck, mate? But then Elliot's like, you gave him speed. And he's like, he beat up a priest. It's like, but you really did a 180 there real quick there, mate. I I have thoughts about them giving him an illicit substance. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is that the time where I remind things... you that they do lean very heavily to, like, their goal is noble, their means are not. Yes. And they never try to justify their means as being an appropriate okay. step. Because that was one of the things where I was like, Big I yes. don't like yeah. that. Um, first things first, obviously, he had anxiety medication, which they removed from him, yeah. which is a huge problem in and of itself, let alone the fact that they replaced it with caffeine, which, okay, okay, caffeine is a very, very common yeah. like substance that's in so many things. It's in soft drinks. It's in coffee obviously like it's kind of like a daily thing it is a drug but like no more so than like sugar kind of thing but the fact that it was caffeine laced with speed in replacement of like what if he'd od'd they gave him a full pill bottle of that because it was to replace is it like and they do actually say earlier in the episode that he pops anxiety meds like pez yeah exactly and like i get that cannot be part of his like his like right like his schedule no Um, that is not how anti-anxiety medication works no it's not but yeah so the fact that they caffeine was one thing i was like oh yeah caffeine but then the fact that they added in there was also speed. I was like, you should have just left it at caffeine. Yeah. Because that's an illicit substance yeah. and it immediately, like, it's it's morally not good already. But once you factor in, it's like a genuinely dangerous substance. Yeah. For addiction and that especially. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, especially, like, he has no – he can't consent to it because he doesn't yeah. know what the fuck it is. Yeah. So, like, the fact that not only you're removing his consent, you're giving him a genuinely dangerous compound like with no because he can't he if yeah. he goes if he had a reaction or he had to go to hospital he doesn't he's he doesn't like, know it's just my anxiety yeah. medication like that it's so like and i get that it's a television show i do yeah. i do but i did have a problem with Concern. this yeah i just i do not think like yeah. my first note is why are they so focused on the priest thing and my second note was i have a serious problem with them giving him an illicit substance yeah because i don't know and we're we're taking a deep dive straight from the things that you absolutely love straight into the things that i really hated and i will note though that when i say i love that i love the moment when hardison is like the fuck yeah not the actual context not the actual yeah um the acting choices there is what i'm applauding not applauding aldous hodge we're not we're not applauding giving people speed without their knowledge or consent or consent so the priest thing they do it i i get it like in my prediction i was like maybe it'll be like a televangelist kind of thing yeah. like pointing like the obvious like red herring of like the holy man actually being yeah. like the villain or whatever yeah. yeah and so when we got to the episode 
I, that's kind of what I was expecting, yeah. genuinely. And then when it wasn't, I was like, oh, okay, no worries. They're taking it the opposite way to what I thought, which yeah. is fine. But they really, really labour the fact that he's a priest. Yeah. It's like, oh, you beat up a priest. Oh, you beat up a priest. Oh, you beat up a priest. Over and over. They mention it like 20 yeah. fucking times. And I'm kind of like, okay, just because he's a priest doesn't actually mean shit. You can be a doctor who's also a serial killer. Yeah. You can be a teacher who's also a pedophile. You can be, like, you know, you, just because he is a priest, yes, we would like to assume everything is, like, like he's good yeah. and innocent and pure. But, like, it, it truly baffled me that it seems to be, like, like, beating it, up a priest is anyhow, somehow worse than innately than beating up any other person. That It shouldn't be the fact that they beat up a priest. It's just the fact that they beat anyone up at all, mm. you know? I guess... It, it just kind of bothered me that it was, like, every single time mm. they brought it up, it was always, you beat up a priest. Yeah. And, like... And I find the reason we should care is because he's a priest. And not and because not he's because a person. he's a good person. Because they, they do actually, like, elaborate because when Nate's even trying to convince the team to take this case, because it is a case that's very personal to him, like, he was yeah. friends with the priest. He's trying to, like... Paul is his name. Paul is the priest's name, yeah. Uh, he is explaining the good that he actually does in this community. Yeah. So he explains through, like, he helps the poorer communities, he creates, like, community. Mm -hmm. Like, he's trying to explain all the good he does because he's aware that priests don't necessarily have the best reputation at all times. Yeah. So Particularly Catholic. Particularly Catholic, please. And I think, yeah, it's an interesting thing that they say, like, a priest and not Father Paul. Or yeah. this priest, because they do sort of frame the rest of the episode as like the reason we care is because this priest is a a friend of Nate's and b a genuinely good person who is trying to help people. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's kind of like they're just like oh, but it's a priest. Yeah, for some reason yeah. it's like it comes down to his profession, and yeah. it's like but his profession is not the point. Like it's plot relevant. Yeah, obviously. But it's not the reason why we should be upset that he was beat up. Like, we should just care that he was beat up because he was beat up. Yeah. It should be irrelevant of his... Like, it's it's like saying... Because he was a good person, he didn't deserve it, it was... Exactly. It's like, would we... Would... Should we care less if someone who was, like, doing, like, a job that would be considered immoral... Like, if someone was a sex worker and they were beat up, should we not care as much Mm. because they were doing... Uh, what some people would regard as, like, immoral work. Yeah. No. We should just care that an individual was assaulted. That's the takeaway point. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they do to earn their cash mm. or what they, like, it's just the point that they were assaulted. Yeah. Full stop. And that's why we should care. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, why were they assaulted? You know? And yeah. then you can look into, like, the yeah. more sort of discussion over whether yeah. or not the the violence was, you know, justifiable. But it should not be based entirely on, like, your profession. Yeah. I guess. And I do, like, I understand when they are meeting up with the uh, the group of young men, like Hardison and Elliot, when they're meeting up and they're like, oh, well, he beat up a priest because mm-hmm. they are trying to appeal to, like, their religious side. Yeah. Because a lot of these times the youth still have faith. Like, well, and they're also, they know which community they're working in. Like, yeah. this church is obviously quite a pillar of the community, community. so it makes sense for them to appeal to that mm. nature of yeah. those youths because, like, they've probably grown up in and around the church. Yeah. So it makes sense. Which is actually one of the things that really comes back in 
around to focus yeah. at the very end of the episode when Tomas, yeah. the assistant, is like, well, actually, I grew up around there. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, we're trying to save the community. And he's like, well, no, actually, no, hang on. The church is the community. Yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, they, and like, because the team do it as well. Like in that first scene, like as much as I love that scene where they're sort of like, you know, Park accidentally whacks him with the wood and, yeah. you know, does and the And he calls her baby, which yeah. is gross. Which is, yikes. Icky. Um, but yeah, so they sort of, yeah, they do frame it as like, well, but he beat up a priest. Like, not, yeah. He's trying to profiteer off and gentrify poorer communities, which is. Look, he beat up a priest is a much faster way to say it. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, while we're talking about priests, though, yeah. Um, Nate was going to be a fucking priest. Yeah. You remember what? in the wedding job where I'm like, this is going to be relevant later on? Yeah, I'm glad he ended up being a priest because he was fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, uh, Elliot has the brilliant line of, you were going to become a priest. You then dropped out of preschool to become an insurance cop. Yeah. And now you lead a band of thieves. Yeah. What a career path. It's fascinating. I'll I'll give them that. It's fascinating. It's confusing. It's full of potential, I guess. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, I get... It's very, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor. Like, you know, all right, all right, all right. But, I, yeah, it is interesting. I hope that we get to find out a little bit more of the intricacies and how that kind of fucking happened. Because yeah. how... Like... Yeah, well, how the fuck? How do you go from, like, going into priesthood to, like, going into art theft investigation? Yeah. Like, it, it's it's certainly not a pipeline we, from one we, to the other. We certainly get more uh, information and backstory about Nate and uh, his history and uh, his family and, like, the potential factors that could have yeah influenced him to make that decision. Sure. I can't tell you about because they... <laughs> Do become plot significant later on. Okay, no worries. So, I will look forward to that then. Hold tight. We will get answers starting season two, roughly. Some of the pieces start to fall into place and you'll start to see. Though, while we are talking about Nate and backstory, we half meet a character in this episode that I am very excited for you to actually meet. I will spoil a little bit for you. Maggie. Nate's ex-wife. Yeah, I was going to ask about Maggie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, now. Yeah. First things first. I, congratulations, Maggie, on leaving Nate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, I don't know the context, but look, I know Nate. Uh, yeah. I don't need to know Maggie. Yeah. Congratulations, Maggie. I actually assumed that Paul was maybe Nate's, like, used to be Nate's brother-in-law. Like, yeah. I like at the very start of the episode, because mm-hmm. I was like, why would Maggie be calling him? Yeah. Like, you know, unless, like, she wouldn't be calling him about one of Nate's family members, but she yeah. might be like, hey, just letting you know, like, my brother's yeah. in the hospital kind of yeah. thing. Like, that would make sense to me. Yeah. I am confused that she called him to let him know that his friend from preschool was in the hospital. I don't know why she was the one Because Nate him know. hasn't been to church. This is also another important detail we get about Okay, him. but Maggie is still going to the church. Nate, Maggie's still going to the church. Nate has not been to the church in two and a half years because of when his because that was the yeah the last time he went to church was the funeral the funeral for his son yeah and we do see in the flashbacks in this one 
Which I do like. I liked the flashback in this episode. It was much fucking nicer than the stupid hospital one. The hospital one is tacky and terrible. This one was actually quite nice. Obviously, his son was christened at that church. So, yeah, Maggie still goes to the church. Maggie still keeps in touch with the priest. Mm -hmm. Whereas Nate doesn't because Nate has just, like... Distanced himself completely. Distanced himself completely after the death of his son. Which also... It gives us some more information about Nate's backstory in he's only been like this for the last, like, two and a half years. Yeah. Because his son's death is he's what... The turning point. Yeah. I think the, what they don't really do too great is it seems in the first couple of episodes, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I got, especially rewatching it and watching it the first time. Yeah. Is uh, it feels like maybe it's been, like... Six or seven years yeah, since his son died. Yeah, it feels dies. like it, it does not feel like this death is recent. No. Whereas I do think this episode does a good job to, like, let you know, like, oh, no, it was actually, like, it was recent. It, yeah. it hasn't been, like, half, like half a decade. Like, I it think has only been a couple of years. Nate looks old enough that he could have a child that is in their, like, mid to late teens. Yeah. But, like, his kid died when he was, what, eight or something? Ten. Ten. Mm. So, like, even so it's been two years, so, like, the kid he should have been, been 12. 12, 13, yes. Yeah, but it looks like he could have had a kid who was, like, 17. Yeah. Like, you know. So, yeah, it, it kind of is, like, I would have assumed maybe that his kid died, like, a decade ago. Yeah. Not, like, two Six, years seven, ago. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten years sort of thing. Yeah, like, which, look, to be fair, that kind of loss, it doesn't matter how long it's been. Yeah. It will always hurt, like... You know, there's just nothing you can do. Like, time will help, but it yeah. won't... It will never fix yeah. it. But there is a marked difference between a two-year anniversary and a ten-year anniversary yeah. when it comes to, you know, someone's loss. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to point that out there. Like, it's not like I'm expecting, like, oh, he shouldn't yeah. care anymore. It's been, like, whatever. But that's not it, at all. But it's just why he would, still it, hasn't stabilised after the loss. It makes his, like, coping mechanisms mm. a lot more... Understandable. Yeah, understandable. Not necessarily justifiable, not understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, find some better coping mechanisms, but, like, I do get why you're still at a point where you're drinking yourself to, you know, Mm. a stupor. Yeah. Because you're still in a pretty early stage of grieving a truly significant horror. Okay. While we're on more serious topics, Uh let's now look at Elliot in the scene with the gang members. Yes. And Hardison underneath. And I think this is the first time so far in the show that we see Elliot really interact with guns at all. Um, we've seen them in flashbacks. Yes. And I think maybe in the wedding job, someone pulled a gun on him. Yes. They're the only times that come to mind immediately. So He's definitely identified weapon like guns yeah. before. Yes. He he has a great knowledge of weapons and firearms etc yeah but i think this is the first time we actually really see him like sort of hold one yeah i don't think he's ever actually he he up to this point he hasn't actually pointed a gun or or threatened to use a gun on anyone yeah because as you see with the second guy who tries to pull a gun on him his general tactic for guns is literally grab them disarm them. them yeah and then toss them away like yeah he does remove not them like from the equation. Guns. Yeah. He just typically removes them from the equation and moves on. I wanted to ask you some questions about this. Absolutely. Go fire ahead. I would like to know if you've got any character analysis bits floating around in that big old brain of yours <laughs> about why Elliot's sort of stance on weapons is this. 
Do you have any, any so, insight, any thoughts? At this moment, mm. I would suggest that Elliot's dislike for yeah. machine weapons because he doesn't mind he doesn't seem to mind knives and things no. so much it just seems to be like mechanical like guns particularly yeah and i would assume that that would extend to like grenade launches yeah. and like yeah like any of those sorts of things yeah i would assume that his dislike would because we don't have a lot of information any weapon that you sort of fire yes because yeah. we don't have a lot of information yet specifically about his personal experiences yeah. with them the only really thing that I can suggest is that it has to be something that is, like, a why anyone would generally dislike these mm. types of weapons. And so I'm going to assume that there is more to his story that I'm just not privy to yet. Yeah. And I would generally, for a character like Elliot, mm-hmm. who is very much in, like, he's obviously expertly trained. Yeah. You know? Like, for me as a person, like, as an individual, I don't like guns. Yeah. Because I find, I think they're unnecessary mm-hmm. in, like, day-to-day life. Like, if if I knew that, like, my neighbour had a gun just, like, casually in their house and they weren't required to be, like, fully licensed and have all those, like, checks and things that they are required to have in this country, I would be com- very, very uncomfortable with that. But for someone like Elliot who has that kind of training, I almost think it has to come under a lack of respect because there is something about killing someone like from a distance in a removed way with a automatic weapon that is almost I think disrespectful compared to killing someone with your own hands or like by your own hand like with like by stabbing them or by throttling or like mm. and actually having to be the person doing that action and actually taking responsibility for that like if it's if you use a weapon like a gun it's like you can almost remove yourself from the responsibility of the killing because you didn't kill them. The gun killed them. But if you are in hand-to-hand combat, no, you've killed them. Yeah. And it's it's almost like a respect thing. It's like if you are going to take someone's life, you should be the one to own that responsibility and be there to watch the life leave their eyes. Whereas like with a gun, it's almost like a coward's weapon. Yeah. That's kind of like as a narrative device – that's how I've seen, like, guns be sort of depicted before. It's, like, the coward's option. Yeah. And that's sort of how I think Elliot as a character would probably approach it because he seems to have a, a great respect for the art of the fight, I yeah. guess. And it's almost like you can tr- – for example, okay, say you've got someone who's, like – uh been training in martial arts from like when they were like three years old they've trained 40 years they're an absolute master they could take anyone in hand-to-hand combat but anyone with a sniper rifle could take them out yeah and it's just disrespectful because you're not giving them a fair Mm. it's like if you're going to fight me to the death fight me to the death prove to me that you could best me in an actual fight rather than just taking the cheats way out and shooting me from like it's like it's like stabbing someone in the back. If you're gonna stab me, stab me to my face. You know, don't. Yeah, I feel like I've gone on a very long winded yeah. tangent, but do you no, understand? That's, yeah, that's very fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So that would be the angle, bearing in mind that obviously we haven't really yeah gotten a huge amount well, of information, and I feel like he would take great satisfaction in being able to be like, "You've come into this fight thinking you're automatically gonna win because you've literally brought a knife to a gunfight." Or rather the other way around. Yeah. Like you've literally brought a gun to a knife fight. But the fact that he can still disarm them, even though they have this seemingly huge advantage and he can yeah. prove like, 
I can still beat you without having to resort to this cheating, yeah. essentially. I don't need to take this special power up to beat you. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm just going to beat you because I'm going to beat you because I'm better than you are at this. I guess it's like the difference. Like for me, I like cooking. It's the difference between me taking the time to learn proper knife skills versus using like an automatic slicer. Yeah. And like, to be fair, for like, you know. No difference in results. There might not be difference in results. And for like mobility reasons and things for some people, like using an automatic slicer is a much more viable option. And maybe if they didn't have that available, they would struggle to prepare their own food at all. So like, obviously in some circumstances, in this example, the slicer is more appropriate. But like, for me, I'm like, I take pride in knowing that I can do that. Like I chopped the onions that went into the minestrone soup. Like, you know, like rather than like I bought a packet of pre-diced onions. Yeah. For me, I take pride in that thing that I enjoy and that I'm proud of a skill that I have. So I'm not going to cheat my way around it. You know? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Are you excited we're finally getting to a point where you can do some actual character analysis? Oh, absolutely. This is why I watch media. Yeah. This is, like, I could not care less about, like, anything else. Like, I want to get into, like, the meat of these characters. The characters are what keep me invested in a show. If I don't like a character, I don't care how good the plot is. Yeah. Like, that's why, like, Nate, for me, like... If the character's fucking shit, I don't care how good the rest of it is. It'll piss me off too much and I'll stop watching. Yeah. I am really curious because maybe you have a theory. Maybe you know more about this than I do, which okay. is rare, but it does happen sometimes. I want to know how he got those bobbleheads on such short notice. I was fucking thinking that. It, it was like a 12-hour turnaround. Also, Bibletopia sounds like my high school's wet dream. I... <laughs> I would have had to go on an excursion there every fucking year if that place existed in this Though, country. Though, to be fair, the sea that parts every 30 minutes to let you in sounds fucking lit. It sounds incredible, but yeah. it also sounds like the biggest fucking waste of energy I've ever, ever heard yeah. of. Like, even Disney isn't doing it like no. that. His, his approach to the religion, <laughs> though, mean, is basically my approach to religion of, like, uh, we'll keep the statue, get rid of all the walls, maybe we'll keep the one with the stained glass. Stained That's glass is pretty. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I I want to know, yeah, how the fuck they got that bubble hair turned around so quickly. Because that's insane. It's kind of like, you know, that uh, the wax figurine of Donald Trump, but it like it just looks like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But they, like at the last they made, minute, they were like, oh no. We- <laughs> they made the animatronic for Hillary Clinton, <laughs> Hillary Clinton. she was going to win. And, and then, then they had to, had to change just like it re-skin the last it minute. for yeah. Donald Trump. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, that. It's pretty obvious. Disturbing. Yes, it's horrifying. But yeah, maybe they just took another bobblehead and like customized it. Yeah. I was like, maybe it was Groot. Like, yeah. you know, and they were just like, mm, dip him in some gray paint at a cross. Though I will say, that statue is fucking ugly. It is, isn't it? It's like it's gross. I don't like it. It's a bad like, statue. Sorry, Saint Nick, which, oh my God, fucking Parker, this whole episode being like, Santa Claus has a church? Hilarious. I love it. So funny. Yeah. Her obsession <laughs> with Santa Claus is a uh, recurring, and I'm very excited for you to see it because. Yeah. Parker, my beloved. <laughs> I. Oh. And her insistence. Wait, I have a question for yeah. you. This is about a Tumblr post mm-hmm. and the way that you just pronounced that word. So I am Supernatural Tumblr. And I don't know about other fandoms because I'm not really as involved. But, like, it's always, like, you talk about in in the tags, you'll be like, oh, XYZ character, my beloved. And I pronounce it as beloved. But you just said beloved. And I saw a post the other day that was like, how do you pronounce it? 
beloved or beloved. And I've never heard anyone not like, cause I read it in my head, but you just organically said it the other way. And that was just so bizarre to me. So you, you say beloved? Yeah. Well, it doesn't have another E in there. Yeah, I know. But like, I read it as like, B and then L-O-V and then E-D. Like, beloved. Like, my beloved. Yeah, but that, then it would be spelled like, my B, like B. Yeah. My B, love, Ed. But then it would but be, then you've got two my E's. beloved. So that's stupid. <laughs> but like, yeah, to me, I always read it as my beloved. But it's just my beloved. My beloved. I know, but I don't, I read it as like L-O-V-E-D as this, as the like pronunciation. Well, you don't say loved. No. You said loved. Yeah. But like. My beloved. I know, but like beloved. It's the same word, but with B in front of it. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I always read it as like beloved. I don't know why, but I do. It sounds nicer to me. Like if I'm saying like, oh, Castiel, my beloved. It sounds better than Castiel, my beloved. In my brain. I feel like it depends on how fancy you want it to feel. Like, beloved feels fancier to me. Do you know what? It's probably because we also use, like, like the, like, the, like, T-H-E-W-E yeah. and, like, the, like, little bit. Yeah. Of, it's like... And then that makes sense for me for it to be beloved. Yeah. But, like, when I'm just going, like, my beloved. Like... Yeah. It's loved. Like, yeah. it ends with loved. So I just pronounce it the same way that I pronounce okay. loved. <laughs> no, you're all good. I was just interested because, like, I... Usually I just read the words. I don't yeah. usually hear anyone pronounce them. And I'd never thought, like, I saw that post being like, do you pronounce it like this or like this? And I was like, who the fuck says beloved? And then you just said it. And I was like, oh, well, now I have to ask. <laughs> anyway. okay. So who pronounces it like that? I I pronounce it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Parker being like, Santa? Yeah. The entire episode. And then they're like, well, he's the patron saint of thieves. Yeah. Which Little on the nose there. Little like, on the nose. I think yeah. it's a nice rounding out of the storyline. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. And like, I guess like if you are someone who was raised like religious or raised Catholic in particular, like you might recognize that. But like as someone who wasn't, yeah, it's just like oh, that's kind of like a fun, yeah. like you know, fun little Easter egg kind of yeah. thing. And I'm glad they pointed it out because like I never would have fucking noticed otherwise. Yeah. I I have a question for you. Yeah, I have a question for you. Yeah, go for it. Very start of the episode. Yeah, um, we've got all of the characters kind of saying to each other, like, how the fuck are we supposed to talk to Sophie about her performance last night? It was shocking. Yeah. I hated it. Um, we can tell her anything but the truth kind of yeah. thing. And it's a very, like, funny scene. It's very similar to um, sort of, like, Friends, like, with Joey. Yeah. And, like, it's like they're all, like, we're aware he's shit, but, like, we're, we want to we support him. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so, actually, and I did love, speaking of Elliot and flashbacks, um, I did love that he's like, this was the worst night of my life. life. And he's like, come on, you've been worse. And we get the flashback of like the gun to his head. The, and, like, Russian, the roulette. Russian roulette. Yeah. And he's like, no, this was the worst. And I was like, damn, it must have been really bad. I'm yeah. glad that they did not subject us to it. But um, anyway, in that scene, Elliot and Hardison are in the like kitcheny area and yeah. they open the fridge. Mm-hmm. Did you see inside the fridge? It's all orange soda. The entire fridge? Yeah. It's just bottles of unlabeled yeah. orange drink stuff. Mm-hmm. Why? How, as someone who is nutrition conscious, what? <laughs> I'm. This may impact your opinion on Hardison as your favourite character. He is a young man who entirely consists of orange soda and gummy frogs. Like, that is 
canonically basically his diet. <laughs> he basically just lives on orange soda and gummy frogs. That is And hot pockets. And hot pockets. He he is the one who designed and organized the office. So of course he stocked the fridge with his favorite things. I think he does actually eat other stuff, but like practically speaking, he anytime he's like on a con, he basically just drinks orange soda and eats gummy frogs. Yeah, he doesn't make the healthiest life decisions, especially in the first uh, season. It does get better. I will say it does get better. Okay, the first for season, my he's... own sanity, I'm going to pretend it's like various orange fruits and vegetables juiced. I'm going to say it's okay. carrot juice, okay. it's orange juice, yep. you know, it's yellow capsicum juice. I recognize that Ugh. fruit and vegetable juices are not that amazing Wait until for you, you learn but about... better than fucking Fanta. So Wait until you learn about Nate's diet. Well, he just lives off alcohol from what I can tell. <laughs> so. Look, later on down the line, you'll learn and Elliot will restore your faith. Well, he can cook. He was eating mushrooms. Yeah. So look. Elliot can, I think it's pretty safe to say, and it's not too massive a spoiler. It's safe to say Elliot eats the best of anyone on the team. Okay. Excellent. I will simply watch when Elliot <laughs> is eating and ignore the rest. Because um, it stresses me Actually, out. no. At this point, we have seen the rest of the team eat something else that is vaguely healthy because at the end of the wedding job, Elliot cooks for them all yes. and he feeds them all pasta, which is, like, objectively not the greatest for you, but it's also not orange soda and gummy frogs. It's, uh, pasta? There's nothing wrong with a good bowl of pasta. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> not the most nutritionally balanced, but... Well, no, it depends what's on it. Yeah. The pasta itself is yeah. fine. It just depends what's on it. Yeah. But no, um, he does feed them actually food, like actual food. Actual food. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. No, just no because I was looking person. at that and I was like, did props just like forget? No, that is that is a joke. It is a conscious choice. Okay. To make it's a joke. It's like a running joke of. It like, just doesn't make sense to me yet. Yeah. Okay. He he is constantly drinking orange soda, and it is a joke that comes back quite frequently. And yeah. Okay. You, you yeah he. he as a nutrition student, it's like, nutrition students hate him. <laughs> Literally. I'm just sitting here stressing. Uh, I find it really funny, though, because if you look at Aldous Hodge, like, objectively as an actor, he's in great shape. Mm. Which is also another thing they they really kind of worked out that they were going to struggle with in this first season is they have this character who they originally intended to be sort of, like, in the van constantly. Yeah. Uh, as sort of, like, the nerdy. But then they cast Aldous Hodge who is, like, six foot something and in great shape. So it's sort of like it just doesn't really... Yeah, it doesn't match the vibe of what you'd expect. Yeah, which is why, like, you can already see, like, they are pulling him out into the field quite a bit. Yeah. And this this episode is the first episode where it's uh, Elliot's campaign to get Hardison outside more (laughs) is... uh, Which I fully support. ...is begun. He's like... You need some fresh air, come outside. It doesn't always go great for Elliot trying to get Hardison outside, but it is like a thing that Elliot is always trying to get Hardison yeah. to, like, touch grass. Like, <laughs> I love that. It is, yeah, it's a thing. Okay, um, moving on to some other character stuff. Yeah. Just as, like, a general life rule, if you have to reassure yourself or someone else that they haven't cheated on someone yeah yeah. 
I feel like that's probably a pretty gray area. Yeah, I think, I think what they're sort of trying to establish in the scene is like, they've always had like this weird flirty sexual chemistry thing going yeah. on. It just never got any further than that. Yeah, like, it, it never manifested into yeah. anything. But I do feel like it's, it's weird. It's the Catholic guilt coming out to bite yeah. the ass. <laughs> it's weird that Sophie is the one to say it. Yeah. I think is the thing for me. Like, I feel like if it had been framed as, like, Nate being, like, I always felt guilty that I, like, was attracted to you whilst being married to my wife. Like, that's, like, one thing. But yeah. the fact that she was, like, you know you didn't cheat on her. And it, it sounds like, it sounds like when someone goes, like, technically, yeah, I have a loophole. It's you not know. a technically loophole. He, did, he never cheated on his wife. Yeah, but the way that it's, it comes across yeah. is I'm, like, mm, if you have to like convince yourself that you didn't do it it's mm, I think it's more so he's sort of just like wrapped up in getting eaten alive by guilt and she can see that and she's like well look I'm gonna tell you straight up to your face now like you, yeah you never actually cheated don't on your blame yourself for something sense. you didn't do yeah yeah it's because, just like it's also established that he feels guilty for his son dying yeah and his marriage breaking up and like I think just at the Duke moment, Central. because we have only a very vague understanding of Nate and Sophie's history, and we don't really know anything about Nate's ex-wife except yeah. her name and the fact that he spoke to her briefly in this episode, yeah. just the fact that she says, like, you never cheat, like, it just, it, it, it's not like it sits with me the wrong way. Mm. I just feel like it's a weird way to frame it. Yeah. Because as an audience member, you know nothing about the situation, and so, like, it kind of doesn't... You can uh, jump to the worst assumptions because of the way they framed it, it. Yeah, it almost... It doesn't allow you to draw your own conclusion because they've given you no information. Mm. So they sort of are just telling you what it is. But it's also like it forces you to draw your own conclusions because they haven't given you anything. So it's like this weird middle area where you're like, okay, the only evidence I have says that there was no cheating, but the way that evidence was presented and with no other context... It kind of yeah. seems like there was cheating. So, yeah, it's. I'm sure there'll be, like, further, like, elaboration yeah. later down the line. But, like, for that moment, I was kind of like, eh, if you have to convince yourself, it's probably not... It doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't... It's not a green flag. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's yellow. It's not red, but it's... It's like a, it's it's not like green, amber. It's, Let's yeah. say it's amber. Yeah. But no. Uh, yeah. Orange like the drink. I'm, I'm so excited, because... Not spoilers, but also we do meet Maggie. Eventually we meet Maggie. Good. I'm interested to meet her. Yeah. I'm interested to see what who Nate so, married. If you remember back to the pre-thoughts episode we did, mm-hmm. Maggie is on the fan favourite character oh, list. Oh, yes. you're right. Yeah. Ooh, spicy. And you knew nothing about her and that's why I was like, Ooh. No. The only, like, TV Maggie that I recognise now is, like, Magda from Merlin. Oh, okay. Or Maggie from The Walking Dead. But I never actually watched The Walking Dead. I just know the character named Maggie. Yeah. Um, okay, so I really only have one other thing that I noted for this episode. Like, yeah. obviously, there's other stuff we can talk about if you would like, but it's the only other note I have left, which is at the very end when the priest finds the statue in the car. Yeah. Uh, and they're all kind of, like, melding into the crowd. And Elliot I don't is, believe you. And Elliot is just shouting. For like, like for the crowd's benefit, like yeah. trying to make it seem like like he's a plant, and it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, it's like, but also it kind of works. Yeah, 
I think like Christian Kane did a great job. Like it's comedic, but it's yeah. also practical and it's just like I loved it. I thought it was a really fun choice, but it was also a fun choice that like made a lot of sense. And also Hardison coming out of like the front of the van with like the papers like it's Yeah, like yeah registered to a grant, like Yeah, exactly. Whatever the fuck his last name was, like Yeah, exactly. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really fun. It was a nice It was a nice I really like I do really enjoy the plot twist of this episode. And, like, the whole park is dressed all in white so that if anyone sees her, they think she's an angel. Yeah. And, like, the kid's like, an angel took it. Yeah. And also, really fun, like, little fun tidbit and detail they included in the front where he has made multiple of the St. Nick's statues that look identical. Yeah, exactly. Switching it out for one of the styrofoam ones so that she can lift it. Lift it up. I really enjoy leverage for their little attention to details and stuff like that. Like, yeah. It's quite often that they'll mention something, like, really offhandedly. At the start. At the then... start. And then it comes back. Like, uh, yeah. there's an episode that I can think of where they talk about how much of a mess the Mark's financials are. And then they end up using the fact that the Mark's financials are a mess against them. Yeah. And it's like, at the time, you sort of dismiss it. But You're like, oh, yeah, them. just like general dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I will give them credit where credit's due. They have pretty much every episode, I'm pretty sure, done something along the same lines where they've, like, mentioned something offhand and it ends up being, like, quite a big yeah. point later on. And every single time I kind of forget. Yeah. Like, every single time I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, a normal yeah. fucking thing to say. And then, like, later I'm like, oh, it was important. Yeah. And so, yeah, credit where credit's due. And that's why I think that... Because you sort of like, oh, yeah, I see the utility of that line right here. Yes. Like, having multiple statues makes sense because he needs to test different multiple. ways to try yeah. and make them cry. And so you think, oh, that's that, that. it was a gag for that. Yeah. They made multiple statues so that he could test it. We're just going to put it out of our mind. Like, it's done. It's dealt with. They've already sorted that out. Exactly. That's not a plot hole. That's... Um, and then they bring the statues back and it's like, oh. Which is why I said, like, before talking about an overarching plot, I, I do think it's likely something that I will be like, oh, and then realise in retrospect. Because if they've done it in a similar style where it's like they've made points, but, like, it's easily sort yeah, of dismissible easy, yeah then that i think honestly then i would it's probably like, be like oh and not see it coming and but enjoy it all the more for that reason and i think this episode's a really good episode to look at in terms of what the second half of the season i think does really well and um, we're really starting to get to that like and like like you see them and they're like they're sharing food they're in the kitchen they're yeah i do you know, definitely like, appreciate that they show them interacting outside of when they're forced to because of yeah. the case like i like that they're like hanging out eating breakfast i yeah. like that they're hanging out just catching up outside of like group like team meetings yeah like it's nice it's a very it makes it feel much more like a share house yeah. kind of vibe rather than like they're at work yeah you know uh, which I, I quite like. It's a very casual grouping, I guess, rather than being, like, very structured. Yeah. The which, family's starting. Yeah. Which, like, and even, like, in the beginning of, was it last week's episode, we had Hardison uh, watering the plants and, yeah. like, you know, that fun little sort of, like, homey things. Because yeah. you don't, you're not watering just anyone's plants. Like, no. you water plants as, like, for your friends or your family. Yeah. Like, you know, they go... It's like if someone goes on vacation, you feed their cat. Like, you don't just do that just because. You do that yeah. because you care. Yeah. Um. And, yeah. So it's nice to see those little touches. And yeah. it's nothing explicit. No. It's just, like, those little bits that mm-hmm. they don't have to show, but they're choosing to. Yeah. And it speaks volumes. Yeah. You know. Look, I promised you found family. We're we getting did. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? 
Yeah. Here's a, this is a comparison for me, which yeah. is like, I think really gets my point across as to why I like what they're doing here. People will call the Avengers. Found family. Found never family. Them. But they're only together when they're being pulled together by some fucking terrible yeah. thing. Like they're at Avengers Tower, but they're very rarely doing anything that isn't like a team meeting kind yeah. of thing. I think it's really funny that you used Avengers as an example because they have like a single scene where you could be like, oh yeah, that's found family. And then they never do it again. In Avengers Age of Ultron, they're yeah. just all sort of chilling around. They're having like a little bit of a party, a little bit of a catch up, a little bit of get together. Yeah. They have like, they've got like the end credit scene and stuff. Like with yeah. the Shwama place. And like, there's like maybe a couple of points where you could be like, oh yeah, that's like kind of found family. But it's very rarely just normal domestic stuff. Yeah. And if it is, it's usually between like one or two characters, not like as a group. Yeah. There's not like a debriefing mm-hmm. outside of like the Shwama yeah cut scene like or end credit scene yeah it's not yeah i think this episode does a really important first step to learning more about the characters because like up to this point you've sort of gotten like flashbacky bits to their very few as yeah well. like very few and far like, in between you're, you're sort of starting to learn about their life outside of their role within the team but like i think this is the first real episode that actually goes through and is like oh no this is oh character-focused episode where we're looking at, like, and, okay, yes, it's not great that the first one was night, but we are looking at more, like, emotionally-driven plots rather than just, like, morally-driven plots. Yeah. And Getcha, and that is my favourite, so I'm not mad about it. Back onto the actual episode, though. I do think the actual Bleeding Ears version of the con would have worked. Like, not the most graceful miracle, Mm. technically would have worked though like i would have been like what the fuck is this yeah why are the ears bleeding yeah i think the ears certainly make a lot less sense than the eyes yeah Uh, um i am glad that they that hardison worked out the chemical reaction that would mean that it could cry yeah the candle smoke but uh i think there's a version of this con that works perfectly well with With the bleeding bleeding ears. ears yeah might have actually worked better. Maybe not gotten as much press because it's a weirder miracle. Yeah, look, maybe. <laughs> I guess in a in an alternate AU. I don't know why I said alternate AU. It's the thing that yeah. I hate that I complained about in yeah. the Supernatural episode. It is. I guess, a, I guess in an AU version <laughs> uh, where they don't get him to show him what they're planning and he yeah. just kind of does it and they're like, what the fuck, how does it? <laughs> so you know how I'm always complaining about the lighting on Supernatural? Yeah. This is why. Because I come from Leverage, which they don't have, like, like Supernatural was like, we're going to go hard in one direction. Yeah. The colours are going to be muted, the contrast is going to be low, and there's going to be no lighting. Mm -hmm. Leverage didn't do that. Leverage, each episode, they have the vibe, they have the setting, and then from there, they set the colour scheme, they set the tones they're going to use, they set the yeah. sort of thing. So if you notice in this episode, there's a lot of like stained glass and royal tones and like I mean, those sort of colours church. <laughs> come through really well in this episode. And like the snow job, which is set mostly in Miami, a lot of like fluoro colours, really bright, summery, fun, like Floral. florals. I think it's a really fun thing to sort of like just watch as the season goes through. I would probably notice more if I was watching the episodes back to back. Yeah. Because then you would have the high contrast difference mm. of like the different episodes. Yeah. I guess versus watching it because I'm f- being forced to split them up by a week. 
So oh, you're being forced. So you are you well, admitting I, at this stage you would watch them quicker than a week apart if you could? No. I'm I know that felt like you're no, admitting. No, it's impossible for me to like. It's not impossible. It's much harder to pick up differences like that that are particularly particularly that are visual. Okay, like if one of the actors like completely changed one episode to the next, I'd fucking notice. But like stuff like the lighting, stuff like costuming and that, unless it's like super super obvious like all of a sudden parker is brunette like i'm not gonna pick up on it if i'm watching the episode separated by a week if they're put back to back then i will and oftentimes even with supernatural which i know so well oftentimes i don't notice like things until people put like gifts next to each other i'm like oh shit like that's really cool because they're like four episodes apart i'm like i don't know like you're not a visual sort of person no like even when i read this is you know we're saying before i read really quickly yeah my roommate has a theory that it's because I don't visualise. Oh, yeah, I don't visualise either. People will be like, oh, you read that book, like, what does the main character look like? I'm like, like I don't know. If I, if I visualise anything, it's the location, and even that is so vague. Yeah. Like, I just I just see the words. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, I'm not spending any time doing anything else. Whereas my roommate's like, she's like, oh, no, it takes me forever to read because, like, I have to, like, I stop and I, like, imagine, like, okay, what room am I in and, like, whatever. I'm like, what are you talking? I'm like, I read. why? Like, it'll just tell you where the door is. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Do they, someone came in the door. Okay, there must be a door there. All right. Like, next sentence. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's I always like, find it, like, I read books and stuff, and they'll be like, oh, yes, the main character is wearing a dress that looked like this and this and this and this. And I'm like, like I accept your reality. I, I just didn't know she was in, like, a green dress. Like, that's all. The funny thing is, like, they'll tell me, they'll describe for me, oh, the, the person looks like this. I'm like, no, they don't. In my brain, they look completely different. Like, I look, I respect that you're the author and this is what you're telling me this person looks like, but in my brain, they don't look like that. I respect the council has made a decision, decision given it's a stupid, stupid decision, decision. I've decided to, to ignore. ignore it. Exactly. Like, I just, like, they'll be like, oh, the room had, like, this color paint on the walls. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's clearly blue. I don't know why you're trying to convince me it's yellow of all fucking things. Like, you know, or like whatever. It's it's just like they'll tell me what it looks like, and I just mm. disregard it. And I'm like, no, nah, it looks like this because that's what I want. Obviously, in visual media, I actually notice it a lot more. Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like yeah, again, re- live reading. <laughs> yeah, they'll be me visualizing that shit. Yeah, I'm like I'm not putting in effort that I don't have to. Like the dialogue's right there. I'll just read that. I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's nice to read, like, a description of, like, whatever place they're in mm. or the garden or whatever to get the tone, to get mm. the vibe. But, like, beyond that, I'm not imagining an actual room that looks like Yeah. That. Like, well, I'm like just it, getting the vibe from that shit. Exactly. Or if I am, I'm, like, I'm taking their, like, instructions and I'm, like, fleshing it out in however, whichever way I want. And, like, so I can kind of see it in my mind's eye, but it's also, like, not essential. Now that we've explained everything you need to possibly know about us as people, <laughs> let's wrap up the episode. I... <laughs> I think we're uh, we're certainly reaching the end of what is coherent. Oh, I think we jumped off that cliff a while ago, to be honest with you. I, I think we're done. <laughs> so to wrap up, I would like to ask you, on a scale of one to five, what would you rate this episode of Leverage? I think I'm going to give it a three. Like I said right at the top of the episode, like it's pretty middle of the road. Yeah. I didn't love it. There were things that like frustrated me and confused me there were other things that i really liked i don't think it's a bad episode i don't think it's like a super good episode so i think three is fair like it's right smack bang in the middle it's probably about what i'd grade it as well like yeah. it's, it's yeah, obviously right. i can look back on it with a lot of fondness because i have nostalgia nostalgia like as i wouldn't a factor, but... i wouldn't refuse 
to watch it again. Yeah. But I'm also not going to, like, go back to watch it again, like, intentionally. Okay. And then moving on from that, the next episode is called The Two-Horse Job. What do you think it's going to be about? I think they're going to rob a carriage at gunpoint. Okay. But not really, because they don't like guns. Maybe a carriage is going to be robbed at gunpoint. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, wait. Okay. Hear me out. They're involved in historical reenactment. Okay. Yep. The carriage is robbed at gunpoint. And it's supposed to be like a reenactment. Yeah. But it's not. Okay. It's real. Yep. They gotta think on the fly. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm thinking carriages is because there's two horses. Okay. On the carriages. Yeah. In case that wasn't clear. Okay. <laughs> well, was it? I was like, are you like hypothesizing that they suddenly have like time travel? Or? No, 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 no. I feel like maybe, yeah, it's like some kind of historical reenactment or something. Or like maybe, oh, I'd say like a wedding, but we've already had a wedding. Yeah. Um, or like some sort of, for some reason, there's a horse-drawn cart. I feel like there's going to be something to do with a horse-drawn vehicle. Yeah. That's my, whether yeah. they're actually robbed at gunpoint, I just went to that because like yeah. historical timelines. But yeah. like, that would be my, my guess is something to do with a horse-drawn cart. That is a solid guess. Thank you. I guess we'll wait till next day to see if you're right. I guess so. Or, or after this, I'll just or... read the episode description and find out. I mean, you could. <laughs> I, th- I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised by next week's episode. I am very excited for you to watch it because I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, not so much for main plot reasons, but for other reasons that I cannot disclose to you. Uh, I'll know by this time next week. This time next week... You're going to be sitting there going, I know exactly why you thought I would enjoy this episode, Jamie. (laughs) And I'm very excited for that. Wonderful. Because I think when you watch it, you'll know why I'm excited for you to see this episode. Yeah. I can't say any more because spoilers, but... Yeah. Look, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thief Steals the Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us at all, you can find Beth over on Twitter at Thief Steals Pod. I think you should tell her how you think. Like, is it words? Is it images? I'm fascinated. Like, I don't know, sensations? Yeah. Like. Do you think in smells? Yeah. I don't know. Hit me up. Let me know. And if you'd like to hit up Jamie, you can always message her over on our Tumblr at Thief Steals the Podcast. I feel like we talked a lot about flashbacks this episode and like getting into some character analysis things. Now, obviously for me, that would be spoilers, but I feel like it'd be fun if you wanted to have a discussion with Jamie over on the Tumblr about maybe what your favorite flashback was for the series. Ooh. I feel like that would be something that she would be very much into. Yeah. I love the flashbacks. Thank you so much for listening. Whatever time of the day, night, evening, afternoon, lunch, breakfast, morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. (laughs) Never gets old. I am timeless. Thank you very much. Jamie's favourite bit. My favourite bit. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.